once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Captains, you're listening to episode 303 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek, recorded live on Thursday, January 26th, 2017, via Facebook, and available for download or streaming on Monday, January 30th, at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello, everyone. All right, Tony, let's jump right in. What do we have this week? This week, we trek out some technology that's getting us closer to Star Trek reality and a couple other nuggets of Trek trivia to keep you in the know. Star Trek Online News, Season 12, Reckoning, and the Anniversary Event are upon us. We've got details of the new NX refit, and Agents of Yesterday has finally been announced for consoles. As always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Of course, don't forget that we'd love to keep the conversation going with you from week to week. Visit us at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or sound off on Twitter at Priority One Pod. You can also send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Thanks again to all our Patreon supporters who make this show possible from week to week. It's your support that keeps us going. To find out more and add your support, please head to patreon.com forward slash priority one. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. We've covered the Qualcomm Tricorder X Prize, a $10 million global competition that would bring us an actual functioning tricorder that would diagnose at least 10 medical conditions and weighed no more than 5 pounds. Well, it seems a Chinese company, Chang Hong, showed off their own tricorder, built into a smartphone, at the 2017 Consumer Electronics Show. Well, it's sort of like a tricorder. Using an SCIO molecular sensor, the device will absorb light reflected from an object, break it down to a spectrum, and analyze it to determine the chemical makeup. Ultimately, it's really good at identifying objects you put in front of it, like food, and determining calories, freshness, or temperature. You can even turn this on yourself and check your own body mass index. The device is out in June and starts at just $435. So I remember when they announced this technology last year. This is not new technology. I don't think we ever covered it, but it came across my feed where you would be able to point the device. What it was was a separate device. It wasn't, it was like an add-on, like a Fitbit kind of thing, a wearable. And you could go to the grocery store and point it to whatever food it was. And it would read back to you, you know, calories, freshness, temperature, all that jazz, tell you what it is. It can identify what it is. You point this at ice cream, boom, it'll tell you it's ice cream. You point it at broccoli, boom, it'll tell you it's broccoli. Do you need a sensor to tell you that something's broccoli? Well, it's not just that it's broccoli, but again, how many calories can you expect to consume with this particular food? Captain, I've found some 80-calorie 
broccoli here. It's superior to the 74 calorie broccoli that you find in most common grocery stores. It is kind of handy actually because I use I use like a, a a nutrition diet tracker called My Fitness Pal. Lots of people use it. It kind of tracks your exercise and weight and calories and all that other stuff. And you can use it to sort of scan in if you eat packaged food, you can scan in the barcode and it will tell you what the nutritional information is of that thing. But if you had something similar that you could just kind of like if I could just point it at like what I was eating, and get that information directly into that tracker, that would actually be kind of handy. And I know, I mean, would I use it? I'm not sure, but there's a huge, huge market for that kind of thing. I'm glad that somebody picked up on this technology because I remember hearing about it again last year, probably around the same time of CES last year, and then it kind of fell off the radar. And so I'm glad to see that some company has picked up on this. Well, it was... it looked familiar to me because it had been under a bit of a cloud uh, as recently as last September. Uh, there had been either a trademark dispute and some angry Kickstarter backers. So maybe this new development means that they've settled all that stuff and it's all behind them now. That'd be fun. This is something that I would love to see on my next device, on the next Google Pixel. Do you think? That's would, a superior point. But would that be a selling point for you if if your if your next smartphone had a built-in tricorder? Like, would it really be useful? Do you really need to know that information or want to know that information? Yeah, I mean, where, where we come where we come in useful? I mean, I, I, I it's my my waistband detector. Yes, I, you know, once that digs in, leaves a mark. Now I know I'm too fat. I think it'd be most useful if if you're buying like generic drugs or if you have an allergy to certain foods and uh you know you're wondering if somebody put you know peanut sauce on your on your uh on your uh, shrimp or something so i think i think that's where it would probably come most useful for allergens and for authenticity of you know pharmaceuticals Mm -hmm. yeah and i could see you know if they could work something out if that could then evolve into something that you know where you could tell your blood sugar and all of that business. I could see that as being useful. I'm not sure in its current state, you know, is is freshness of food something that you need your smartphone to tell you? I'm not certain. But certainly there is a market for that kind of information going into a smartphone because people are already using it, you know, in standalone, you know, fitness trackers and nutrition trackers. Yeah, I wouldn't mind this as a separate device, as an add-on device that I can take with me to a shopping market. But if it was have this SIO device versus water repellent or, you know, water-resistant phone, I'd probably choose a water-resistant phone over this. You know, like it's still, that technology still just isn't grasping my attention quite yet. Well, that seems a really good opportunity for our first community question this week. If this hit U.S. markets and was on the next Google Pixel or iPhone, would it be a deal-breaker for you? Is this something you want to see on every smartphone designed and developed? Let us know in the comment section for this show at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO303 or by voicing your thoughts on our Facebook page or Twitter. All right, so internally at Priority One Podcast, Skiffy and Elijah are currently feuding over which is better, Alexa or Google Home. Well, I think we're going to award this round to Skiffy because Amazon's Alexa device can now respond to the command computer instead of Alexa. That's right. The Amazon Echo will now wake on the command computer and trigger it to listen for the next command. For instance, computer, play Priority One podcast. 
Do you own an Amazon Echo? Well, we have the link in our show notes with the steps you need to take to get this working. No, so I love that, right? I love that. But I would love, instead of, instead of having to say, hey, I don't want to say it out loud because it could probably trigger like everybody's Google Home. I, I would love to be able to say, computer. And it, it react that way. It would do the same thing. I am so jealous of Amazon Echo right now. So, so jealous. No. Okay. So I've been thinking about this. I don't really think you would want to use that because how many times in a day in normal conversation do you actually say the word computer? And it would wake up literally every single time. And this actually brings up a good point. Like, how, how does the computer know in Star Trek that you're actually talking to it as opposed to talking about it. Like, it's you know got to have because, some great because contextual... Because it's in the inflection. It's in the inflection. Nobody, you know, when you're talking, oh, oh i got to go work on the computer. Right? But then you go, computer, there's a difference. There's an attention. Computer, there's an atten- you. There's a command. There's an inflection to the voice. I, I, I only mention it because Thomas Cruz in our chat right now has said, big problem, I did that. Now watching Trek, it keys off every episode. Because somebody says, computer. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, part of the reason that that you have things like, um, I don't want to say it too loud, but hey Siri and Alexa and hey Google is because they are, uh, it's sort of a unique phrase. You wouldn't say it outside of that context. So it's a good keyword to use. I'm not sure that most people actually find saying computer particularly useful. My point is that, <laughs> you know, the, that, that type of thing, the, the keyword where it's listening for you, I think, I think in practice, most people are going to find uh, saying computer actually not very practical. But points for coolness. Here's another Trek trivia nugget to dip into your Trek sauce. The Smithsonian has made headlines around the Star Trek sphere of news with its restoration of the original Enterprise 1701 model that was used in the actual filming of the 1960s series. Sure, we all knew that. But did you know that there are two distinct sides to the model? In an interview with the Washington Post, Smithsonian curator Margaret Weitekamp explained, quote, One is the fully painted, fully decorated side of the model that faced the camera, and the other side was never fully decorated because the camera would never see it, end quote. The side painted would be the port side of the ship in nautical terms. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, it's, um, that's weird. I mean, I guess it makes sense from a sort of production standpoint. You don't want to be doing anything that you don't need to do, but... The, the the slightly perfectionistic side of me would be driven absolutely mad by that. But just paint the whole thing. Just do the whole thing. Was there more than one model? Because I can remember them showing the left side of the ship. I mean, I'll I grant grant you know I think back they showed the right side of the ship much more often. And maybe they only use the left side for longer shots or something. Right. I, it's it's interesting because you know like in the beginning it's a lot of left to right screen. Right. It goes left to right. It swoops. But what you're thinking about is movie magic. It was them, you know, uh, mirroring the camera. It was the camera trick, not them well, flipping but, the model. But that would have, well, but that would have mirrored the letters. Would have mirrored the uh, the, the registry number. Maybe they did it so fast you never noticed. <laughs> it's a possibility. No, but there are because it was always sort of from the side or from that sort of three quarters angle. 
off the top that, strictly speaking, you probably didn't need to paint the whole thing, but it, that still, that upsets me. So for our next story, this isn't necessarily big news, but in an interview with Loot Crate, the company that sends you swag in a box every month, Gary Witta, writer of Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, admitted, quote, If I were ever given the chance to write something in the Star Trek universe, I would jump at it, end quote. Witta has also written for Star Wars Rebels, the animated series. Additionally, he even wrote a script for Star Trek Voyager that went unused, titled Origin of the Species Involving the Borg. We have links to that script in the show notes. All right, so I'm not going to lie. Rogue One was a pretty good movie. Like a really good, for a prequel to the films that led up into, you know, A New Hope, Return of the Jedi, blah, 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 blah. You know, taking this story of what was happening just before Darth Vader captures the princess, I think it was it was uh, it, it it entertained me. It kept me involved the entire time, and it didn't feel like The Force Awakens, being that it was kind of like the same movie. It was one movie that represented all three of the originals, right? Like ugh. this was. This was a very independent story, independent film, and I really liked it. I actually enjoyed the film. So I, you know, could it benefit to have a writer like this come over to Star Trek, at least in the series? I think absolutely it could, because one of the things that Star Trek, I believe, has a problem with is the fact that it's such a mature franchise. There's so much material there that it's hard to find a way to write unique material that also fits in well with the existing canon. And I think Rogue One did exactly that. They they took a unique story that slotted right in there in between the other films, but didn't have any of the same characters, I mean, on the periphery, okay. But it was a new cast, it was a new story, it was outside of the main storyline, but still slotted in very well. And I think that's the kind of story, exactly, that we want to see from Discovery. We want to see something that fits into the canon as we know it, but is a new, a whole new thing. So I kind of followed some of the links there, and apparently, uh, spoiler alert, in this unused script, uh, it's Borg bacteria. The Borg, like, infected a dude and... They found him in an ice cave, and that causes tensions. So, so I mean, you know, the, the Borg bacteria. I mean, if that's the if that's the if you think that might be an interesting uh, way to approach it uh, from on Discovery, then well, there you go. So that leads us to our second community question this week. Could Star Trek benefit from writers like Witta, who have written successful films like Rogue One? Let us know. Now, let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, welcome again to Star Trek Online News, where Season 12 Reckoning and the 7th Anniversary event are finally upon us. As we record this, it has just launched today. Have we all played it yet? Yeah, yeah. I sort of just me. a little bit. No. No, I did. I did. The, oh I no, Tony! You literally just told us you've been away. The, oh, that's right. You've done the queue. Elijah. Uh, I had rehearsal. Oh, right. okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So I I played through some of the things and it was fun. By the way, this discussion is spoiler free. We can start with spoilers all next week. But yeah. So there's a new featured episode that's out 
uh, today, and it's called Of Signs and Portents. So I really had a, I really tried to have a good go of it, and I, I encountered a bug halfway through, well, most of the way through, actually. I warped into the next location, and it asked me to answer a hail, but there was literally no one in the map. So wait, wait, Star Trek Online crank called you? Pretty much. They said, go to this system, and I went to that system, and they said, answer the hail, and I was like, I can't answer the hail. Hello? Hello? <laughs> no, nobody was there. I even I even warped out and warped back in, and it didn't work, so I, I didn't actually manage to finish the featured episode today. I was a little upset about that. Tisk tisk. I know, right? And, uh, and yeah, and then, uh, let's see, and then I thought, oh, I'll go and do the Zenkethi battle zone. <laughs> uh, Winters knows how that turned out. <laughs> Yes, that did not turn out uh, very well at all because, yeah. Um, yeah, the battle zone basically the enemies are not respawning or they weren't respawning. Uh, I do believe that they they did do a hot fix on Friday uh, to address that issue. So yeah, as as we record this, they've only just announced uh, recently today that they're going to do a, another patch tomorrow, which is the Friday. Um, I think in order to fix some of these issues that have been going on. But hey, there's really good news is that the Omega mini game seems fine. <laughs> yep, I've done quite a bit of farming with that and had no issues. Yeah, in previous years we've had a lot of issues with the Omega minigame, you know, things not spawning where they're supposed to. That bit of it seems to actually have gone um, quite smoothly, so hurrah. A top tip uh, regarding the Omega minigame, uh, use your mouse when doing the minigame. Do not use the arrow keys on your keyboard. It is way easier if you use your mouse. I didn't know this until, uh, well, until Winters told me last year, and I feel really ignorant now. However, when you do the mini game, you hover your cursor over the line you're trying to get. Don't use the little arrow keys because it just doesn't work as well. You use your mouse and you hover over, and it works. Another piece of advice is don't go like don't have your eye scroll like up and down, left and right. Just like keep your eye focused on one area and use your peripheral vision to yeah. guide you. Like zone and out. Use the like, force. Go zen. Use the force. <laughs> yeah. Use the force in a Star Trek game. I play I play the Omega game a little differently. I'll demonstrate it for everyone here uh, on the live stream. What I do is I go to the exchange, and I type in oh, Omega. <laughs> Oh uh, and uh, oh well, look at this! I can I can I this game allows me to choose what I want. I can get slivers, I can get fragments, I can get stacks of one hundred, stacks of nine hundred. It's it's a different way to play the game. It's my preferred way to play the game. So you know, just game's got something for everybody. It's got something for everybody. And and my my final comment, I did just want to say that you know, props to all the guys at Cryptic because when I came onto Earth Space Dock and we've got the new lighting engine and all of the 7th anniversary banners up and it just it was pretty and I liked it and it made me feel very very proud to still be sticking around you know 7 years for a game like this is a very long time and it's kind of exciting and they finally have assault phasers they finally have assault phasers in there yeah not very MMOs can claim that that's a big deal. Seven years of an MMO, and it's and still going. Yeah, you know, right? still going still strong. Going, still producing content, no signs of stopping. You know, it's just it's it's in a good place, and that's really fun. So to kick us off, let's have a look at the patch notes this week for a full rundown of the new content that comes with the seasonal release. 
Some of the features listed in the patch notes are ones we already knew about. Soho, the feature episode and the Zenkethi battle zone. Also, the Space Q's Gravity Kills and Zenkethi Front, which we talked briefly about last week. The Lucari Restoration Initiative reputation is now live, as is the new Kits and Modules Research School. The other big change that came out this week was that the Alpha Quadrant map has now been updated with those 15 new sectors north of Breen Space. Okay, so I need to interrupt you here. So when this, when I got into game, one of the first things I did was was warp over to that north part of the Alpha Quadrant because I wanted to check out the new, to check out the new areas, and um, especially the Fisaria sector, which is off of the Corbomite maneuver from the original series. Because if you look at it on the map, it's got a whole bunch of beacons around it, and you just want to go, hey, so what's going on there? So you go over there. And it's got, you know... Okay, does everybody remember the Corbomite maneuver? Yes. Spinny QB thing. Yeah, so it's a spinning QB thing. So you go up to it, and there's a whole... It's like a, a ring of spinny QB things. And if you go up to the ring of spinny QB things, some guy pops up and says, you don't, you don't have authorization to enter First Federation space at this time. So, I'm, so you got my gears going. Are we at some point going to be able to get in there or do something with that? It'd be kind of cool. We cannot answer that. I know. At this time. We <laughs> Thank you, Elijah. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Did you go and find out if there were dragons in the Berengaria sector yet? Ah, uh, I forgot about the dragons. Oh, no, okay. I didn't. I'm right. sorry, Tony. Got to find out. But it, you know, they, they probably haven't announced the Neverwinter crossover yet. So, when when they do, that's where it's going to be. That's where it's at. The rest of the patch notes are quite a significant number of fixes to existing content and systems. For the full list, you can browse at your leisure. We will leave a link in our show notes at priority1podcast.com forward slash PO303. Now that Reckoning has been released, we can see the rewards we can expect for completing the featured episodes during the event period. Just quickly, for any new players, basically playing this featured episode once a week for the four-week anniversary event, will get you a special prize each week. And typically, you can equip them as a set to get a set bonus. As always, each week you'll receive a box that contains your choice of a spec point or enhanced universal tech upgrade, as well as this special prize that I was talking about. This week, in the first week, it's the Braden Reconnaissance Deflector Array. At a level-appropriate mark, of course. This deflector array is pretty big for control and drain expertise. Available on the 2nd of February is the Braden Reconnaissance Hyper Impulse Engines. As you'd expect from a Hyper Impulse Engine, it has good speed and turn rate, and also comes with a clickable ability called Micro Pulse Overcharge, which makes you surge ahead in a straight line leaving a shockwave behind you that damages enemies. The reward on the third week is the Braden Reconnaissance Covariant Shield Array. That's the shield type with higher hit points. And it's got a passive ability that says when any shield facing is depleted, you triple your ship's flight speed and turn rate for five seconds. It's like hitting evasive maneuvers, but automatic. Yeah, so I will never ever use that shield. Yeah, I can't see myself ever using it. Do, and, and do you know why? It's because you'll be you'll be in it 
in the thick of a battle and all of a sudden, because you're not paying attention and one of your shields gets depleted and you'd be like rocketing off to somewhere else and you're like, no. It's on autopilot. It's like, I, I just, I will never ever use that. No, so I can see this a work on an escort, right? Because your your forward-facing shields are always in receiving the brunt of the, the hits, right? Because in an escort, you're typically running either a dual beam array or cannons, right? So your forward-facing shields are kind of always getting the brunt of the of the of the action. So I can kind of see this as a uh, as a pre oh crap button, right? So your forward facing shields go down. All of a sudden, this impulse engine kicks in, meaning, oh, goodness gracious, I need to move, and I need to move fast. But then on top of that, I still have my evasive maneuvers, right? Because it doesn't, there's no cooldown effect on evasive maneuvers, right? I don't think, it doesn't trigger the cooldown. I don't, I, it shouldn't trigger it. It should not, it'll trigger the, it should trigger a cooldown if there's one attached to that ability. But it shouldn't overlap. Presumably, you can also use evasive maneuvers. I think my issue is because I'm approaching it from from somebody who flies cruisers, so I'm like broadside, right? And all I need is for one of my shield facings to de- be depleted, and all of a sudden, I'm off in nowhere's land, 50, 50 kilometers away from the nearest ship because I'm I'm not I never I don't aim towards the battle. I mean, I do a little bit. But um, for the most part, I'm going broadside, so I do not, in any circumstances, want my, my want my speed trebling at, at a time that I'm not in control of. I don't I, I don't like the idea of that. At I all. do have to. I, I have a little bone to pick with the name of it too. Braden is the name of a kid in my daughter's third grade class. <laughs> oh it's like I know. the Braden reconnaissance hyper impulse engines and the uh, Stephen. Uh, you know, phaser banks and the and the Larry <laughs> and the Larry shield generator and the and the Anthony kinetic impulse. And the Anthony kinetic impulse. No, I think that's a tank. Yeah. Al, Al swears me that's a tank. That's a ground critter. He swears me. I've never seen the thing, but he swears me that that's what that is. But yeah, but it's Braden. All right. And finally, in the fourth week, you can get a ground and space trait. Although you will have to play twice for both. Both traits buff your regenerative powers when you use control abilities. There are also two, three, and four piece set bonuses for collecting the deflector, impulse engine, and shields, and also using the warp core from the event ship, which we'll get to in about a minute. The two and three piece sets buff auxiliary power and engines, respectively, while the four piece set makes those special abilities on the shield and engine more effective. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. In, in much the same way that I will never use the shield, I will never use that set either because this, the, <laughs> the four-piece set just makes the shield thing with the crazy um, speed um, even more effective. So it increases the effect of, of you surging forward. It's <laughs> there are some people who really depend on that high speed that I think might find these useful but I think for for those of us who are not maybe super super great at controlling at high speed you're just going to want to stay well away from that. I think that you hit the nail on the head the the big thing that's taken away from this is that it's not an ability you control you could get this ability kicking off at the exact wrong moment that you do not need it and you're looking behind you going Oh, they're there. 
Yeah. Oh crap. Yeah. I mean, and and you know, I I play the game a relative amount. I but I've never been that great at controlling my ship. That's one of the reasons I prefer cruisers because I can go broadside, which is a lot slower. Um, sort of motion. I do not want something kicking my engines into high gear when I don't want it. I just don't want that. No, but seriously, I've had battles where just normally, if I've hit evasive maneuvers and, and gone slightly the wrong direction, you hit, you know, you know the, the, the dialogue box that comes up and says, there's nothing on sensors, do you want to turn back? And you're like, hang on, I was literally just in battle. What's going on here? So I'm not great and I just don't I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole, I'm sorry. So, yeah, so we're going to have to collect things, like, you know, another yet another temporary currency. Okay, so I get some by doing the featured episode. Do I get some for replaying the featured episode, too? No. No. You, you get the initial 400 from doing the featured episode f- for the first time. So what space chore do I have to do to get the other 600? The Omega minigame. But I don't play the Omega minigame that way. I go to the exchange to play the Omega minigame. Well, you need to adapt, Tony. That's all there is to it. The No, the Omega minigame, all, all you have to do is go and pick up the daily from Q in either Earth, State, Earth Space Dock or Kronos. And then you go to the three spots. That's your that's your daily for the Omega minigame. And then that gets you 40 vouchers every time. Ugh. For 15 days. Well, another item that's made its way into the game with the launch of Season 12 Reckoning is the new Undiscovered Lockbox. Now, I'm going to go ahead and boldly assume that that's a reference to Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and not throwing shade at the fact that it feels like we may never see Discovery in real life. Moving on. <clears throat> Unusually, I'm actually going to start today not with the lockbox ships, but with the low-buy store ship, actually, because it's really the doozy. So it's the Tier 6 NX Escort Refit, which even had Doug Drexler drooling over the artwork, and it can be yours for the low, low price of just 900 low-buy, or whatever it ends up being on the exchange. Now, this actually is what I consider to be a really, really good move on Cryptic's part. They've made this iconic ship pretty exclusive, but it's still ensured that if you want it, you can have it. It's far better, in my opinion, than stuffing it in a lockbox where it might never happen. I'm looking at you, Tier 6 Connie. Anyway, fans of Enterprise and cool ships in general will probably want to save up their 25th century equivalent of pennies for this one. It's got seating for pilot and temporal operative bridge officers, and the console and trait are pretty nice too. The point defense bombardment warhead is basically a free high-yield torpedo without taking up a weapon slot, and the preferential targeting trait also could be a desirable one depending on the cooldown and how you use it. So quoting the blog, while this trait is slotted, activating beam fire at will or cannon scatter volley will cause beam overload and cannon rapid fire to do 50% additional damage for the next 30 seconds, end quote. I'm sorry, I want to take a moment and talk about the point defense bombardment warhead. What do you mean that it doesn't take up a weapon slot? So is this a console? It's a universal console and it's a clickable ability. Okay, so it takes up a console but it will not take a it not will not take up a weapons slot. Exactly. So you could potentially run a full beam boat or full cannon build and also have a torpedo. Okay, will this console benefit from any torpedo traits? 
That I'm not sure of. I'm not sure of that. Whether whether you put the thing is, if you normally run a beam boat or or a cannon build, are you are you going to be specced into projectiles? I'm not sure, but yeah. So uh, I'm not sure, but but it's true that it's it's effectively if you're so. For instance, I have a fleet arbiter. If I was to take that universal console and pop it on mine, I would end up with nine weapons. But you, but but it's a universal console, so you could put the the you could put that on there and this one. So yeah, there you go. There you go, torpedo boat guys. Yeah, but do you really want to sacrifice two universal consoles for this type of device? If you're running a torpedo boat, uh, sure. I don't know. Just throw, just fire all the things. Oh, if you're running a torpedo boat, yeah, 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 yeah. The other three ships from the lockbox itself are the following for Federation captains: the Tier Six prototype Dreadnought cruiser, the Atlas class; for Klingons, the Tier Six D9 prototype Dreadnought battle cruiser; and for Romulans, the Tier Six Thry Dreadnought warbird. All three ships feature temporal operative and command specialization and bridge officer seating, and their own universal consoles and traits. These ships are all on a theme, and according to Cryptic, would quote feel right at home on the set of The Wrath of Khan, The Undiscovered Country, and all the beloved original Star Trek films, end quote. For more details and all the ship stats, we'll have a link in our show notes at priority1podcast.com forward slash PO303. And finally, some news we've all been waiting for. The release of Agents of Yesterday on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 has finally been announced for Tuesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. So if you're like me, you'll be spending the day playing the game. Download it for your loved one or for yourself. As with all Star Trek Online expansions, it's totally free. But seriously, for any new console players, the Agents of Yesterday expansion is an absolute must play. We recommend that you create a 23rd century character, brand new, and play through the entire arc. There is loads of original series Easter eggs and throwbacks that any Star Trek veteran fan would enjoy. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek Online news. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 302's community question was, what would you hope is discussed and or addressed in a DS9 documentary? Chris Vasco on Facebook asked, I want to know all about Garrick. From the Star Trek Online forums, Tyler Maxwell says, this might just be my own impression, but I've wondered why Deep Space Nine seems to be less prolific among fans compared to the other Star Trek shows it aired with, Next Generation of Voyager. Arguably, it has some of the deepest and most interesting storytelling in all of Trek, and yet DS9 never seemed to gain as much traction among the mainstream or diehard Trekkie audiences as its contemporaries. I'd like to hear Bear and company's thoughts on this, and maybe how that played into their decisions for the show in the later seasons. It's an interesting question. Uh, personally, I've never found DS9 that particularly appealing because it comes across as very much more heavy and dark, and that's not really my style. Okay, here's why. Because, and we've had this discussion, I know I've had this discussion with Jace, mm. is that Deep Space Nine was a lot of talk and don't show. Yeah. Where Battlestar Galactica was a lot of talk and show. Right, It was a lot of what's happening and showing what was happening. Deep Space Nine never 
pushed the boundary far enough because it was afraid to do it. Because You know why? Because it was Star Trek and you had TNG and Voyager that were sterile, mm-hmm. right? They were very sterile. If Deep Space Nine had pushed it to the degree that Battlestar Galactica pushed it, man, that I, I would be 100% behind that show. See, this is where I think that a lot of fans end up getting divided because I really like the next generation because it's kind of sterile and fun and utopian and um, Voyager is a little bit like that as well although it's more you know well no it's it's Voyager's quite a lot like that as well and DS9 always came across as a little bit gritty and you know actually physically dark as well it just never appealed to me as much Um, so and you know I would consider myself pretty like mainstream in my tastes and I personally that's what I think do you like Battlestar Galactica do you like Battlestar Galactica um I enjoyed it but get out of here you know what anybody who says anything other than yes just get get out of here so say we all (laughs) so say we all yeah okay Fine. No, uh, no. The thing about <laughs> Battlestar Galactica, and I appreciate that this is a completely shallow comment to make, and I've made it before, is that once I sort of read ahead and found out that um, Starbuck and Adama didn't get together, I got bored. <laughs> what? Oh. Yeah, she said Adama. this before, oh. and we've She's, had the same and reaction. And I know it's I'm, completely shallow. However, I'm, a, I'm not dissimilar And actually, to that's not entirely true. It's not entirely true. Well, they did get together, and then they got apart, and then she got resurrected or something weird. I don't know, but yeah, it's yeah. I could the, quite. The fall. point <laughs> I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that is that Deep Space Nine was a war story. It was a war battlefront story. Yeah. And we got a lot of Star Trek. We got too much Star Trek. Too much filler episodes, holodeck episodes. For for it to have. St- Stood out in my book, they needed to have created something even more gritty, even less sterile, you know. And we saw hints of that. We saw hints of that in a pale moonlight, and we saw hints oh. of that, uh, you know, in in certain episodes. Trust me, those ep- I I respect the episodes where, and I give credit where credit is due. Those episodes are amazing, and they're um, they're just fantastic storytelling. But Deep Space Nine, 80% of it was telling, not showing. And that's where my problem is with Deep Space Nine. When you compare it to something like Battlestar Galactica that came shortly after, Mm. it wasn't that far after Deep Space Nine, Mm. right? Star Trek, and here's where I hope they do not, okay, so here's the moral of the story. I hope they don't fall into that with Discovery. The trope of Star Trek has to be sterile. Star Trek has to be utopian. Star Trek cannot yes. show the grit of what humanity has to fight for. There's there's only 13 episodes. There's no time for filler. It'll, it'll Which be, is right. There's no time for yeah, filler. They'll just have to go. Which tends to be against Gene Roddenberry's vision because Gene Roddenberry was very much against that. Very much against Very what? much against it. The the grittiness. The the showing the grit that is that is the human nature. Hmm. God, I want. I wish I could remember what I'm referencing, but I know I. No, no. I mean, I, you're I not wrong. That. I mean, no, you, no. You're absolutely right. He did not want. He wanted to show humanity going out there and teaching the other species. We were once this way. We got right. better. And even and even Spock 
brings up the fact that, yeah, the Vulcans were that way too. We grew out of it, and we're showing, you know, then we showed the humans, and they grew out of it. Now the humans are out here driving around in a big spaceship, and we grew out of it, and so now you other, I mean, but, but then you go to Deep Space Nine, and it's like, well, in some ways, when push came to shove, we hadn't really grown out of it. And then you get, the, you know, the, right. the Star Trek trope of the evil admiral. Right. You know, I mean, that kind of stuff. It, it all grows out of that. But I think that it, I may agree with you to the to the extent that Deep Space Nine, uh, if they wanted to tell a war story, should have just stuck with it. But that's tough to do with 26 episodes. Uh, and especially with the mandate of being on, you know, network television and keeping it in Star Trek. You're shaking your head. Why are you shaking your head? I'm shaking my head because, okay, for the for the decade that it came out in, for the decade that it came out in, yes, that was difficult. If Discovery wants to make an impact in today's television storytelling, it cannot fall into the diplomatic and when I say diplomatic, the talky Star Trek. It cannot. Mm-hmm. It cannot, especially in 13 episodes or 15 episodes, whatever the case yeah, may be. I- when it, like it can't that can't not happen now. The, the question was that, about it, the DS9 documentary. They're, 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 it's not going to apply to this. Well, the, the 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 why we why we spun into this was because um, it's one o'clock in the morning. Tyler on the Maxwell East Coast. had said. Tyler Maxwell had said. Um, arguably, it had the deepest, most interesting storytelling, which had which which seemed to gain as much traction, but not really much with with not very much with diehard mm-hmm. Trekkies. Right. Yeah. That's what he's saying. He but. I think Deep Space Nine was... You know what it is? I think Deep Space Nine was ahead of its time. Uh, that may be I think true, it's ahead of its actually. Time. I think that if we had Deep Space Nine now, it would be the story it should have been, which was a war story. A story of the Federation struggling to defeat an enemy that it had never faced before. Hmm. That wasn't about technology. wasn't the Borg, but about ideology. Right? That 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 story told now, I yeah I think Deep Space Nine was ahead of its time. So what they need to do is come up with a machete order of DS Nine where you just cut out all the filler episodes mm-hmm. uh, and then and yeah. you know you, you yes. watch you watch yes. just you just watch those. So yeah, yeah. so okay, right. I'm good with that. That's that the, the that's that, that's the project, right? Okay, somebody come up with a machete order for DS Nine that cuts out all the all the filler and the fluff. Don't get me wrong, some of those filler and fluff episodes were really good, like the one where they went. Um, the dream episode where they are in 1920. Yeah, far beyond the stars or something like that. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. But I mean, again, I mean, again, and, that, and that's kind of. But even that was a filler episode. No, that it was, was a filler episode. But that's the sort of thing. But that it makes told it Star the story, Trek. And, and that's the sort of thing that makes right. it Star Trek, right? It, it pushes, you know, it it it, but, it 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 bend it bends reality a little bit and makes you do some mm, thinking and stuff. But if one were to distill DS9 down to that war story, you know, you'd hit you'd hit the, what the season two. Where they first get to go through and meet the you know see the first Dominion ships, and then you pull out the fluff and and, and three through six and I think season seven is pretty much all wrapping it up. So no, that one's pretty right. pretty pretty solid. But I, I I can see your point. You know, take out all the stuff that makes it you know more makes it more Star Trek and less Deep Space Nine. And then if you go if you liked it, you can go back and make you know watch the stuff that made it more Star Trek. On Facebook, James Sillette wrote, Is Avery Brooks really insane, or is he so intelligent and insightful it's beyond our comprehension? And from Facebook, Sean Newboy says, Dr. Hurt, Dr. Hurt, Dr. Hurt, yay, Hurt! Wonderful (laughs) show, everyone. I would think that the biggest question for a DS9 documentary would be, 
What would Gene Roddenberry have thought of Cisco being a wormhole alien? I don't know. But that may connect in with the previous comment from James Sillett. That's another part of the plot I could have done without. With the whole wormhole alien thing. The whole him being the... Emissary? Yeah, that, that's that's cut. That's cutting 13 episodes. Boom, right there. That's right there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, actually, yeah. That's... From, from each season. From each season. <laughs> wait, wait, well, actually, now now that could be bad, though, because you sort of, like, the, the finale, the wrap-up, doesn't make a lot of sense without some of that. Oh, my God. That finale and wrap-up is just as convoluted and complicated as the end and finale of Battlestar Galactica, which I also hate. I hated the ending of Battlestar Galactica. Oh, I absolutely hated it. Oh, one, one day I shall share with you my theory that will make it much better for you. Well, that wraps up episode 303 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here are our community questions for this week. If the next Google Pixel or iPhone had an integrated tricorder, would it be a deal breaker for you? Is this something that you want to see on every smartphone designed and developed? And what do you think? Could Star Trek benefit from writers like Gary Whitta, who have written successful films like Rogue One? Let us know. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com or on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast or maybe tweet us via at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave a voicemail on SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage. Don't miss a single piece of news from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Thursday nights at around 10 p.m. Eastern. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. Now, if that wasn't enough, you can actually play with us in Star Trek Online by joining the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com, covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our audio team led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, Niall Fernandez, and with support from Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to our associate producer, Navy Boats Lou. But most importantly, a big thanks to you the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage.
Transfer complete. Hold on, before I forget. Don't hey, forget. Gabby, if you help me... Hey, Gabby, if you help me write a whole show in Spanish, I'll... T that's, that's April Fool's right there. Yeah, cool. we'll do it. Okay. I don't even speak Spanish, and I'll do it. I'll be yeah, there. That would be the, that'd be the joke. That'd be the awesome yeah. joke, is if all of you guys... You know, <laughs> I'm up for that. April there we right go. There. We're sorted. I can't do that by myself. There's no way. That's too hard. Hey, Elijah. Why? Can you take the focus off me, please? Hangouts. Oh, is it on you this whole time? <laughs> yeah, Sorry. it's been... So it's been really, really <laughs> scintillating watching me, watching, listening to you guys. <laughs> so, I've been like, I looked down, I was like, Whoops. why is it my face the whole time? Oh, he's still got to focus on me because of the cat. <laughs> Whoops. It's fine. I, I tried to look as interested as possible. I didn't yawn once. I didn't yawn once. Wow, you guys, this whole that's time, really kinda, great. Kind of was like this. Yeah. And what do you think? Could Star Trek benefit from writers like, ooh, what was his name? Wissa. Uh, the first name. Something Wita. His first name. Has anybody got to open? Yeah, I've got to open. Greg. Billy. Greg. John. Ken. Gary. G-A-R-Y. Gary. Yeah. Anthony. No, that's the name that's the name of the Michael? next weapon systems that they're gonna put on the Star Trek online ships. Right. Find out more and add your support at P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash priority one. what do you want? Just what do you want? <laughs> he's all he's all like, hey. What's up? No, I just got I just got excited that 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 John Champion and Ken Ray of Mission Long Podcast just started watching us here. I'm just got excited. I just got you know. I just you know. I was just expressed it like, hey John, hey Ken. Mission Way Long, to be hey. cool, Elijah. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on, really? You know I'm not cool. It's <laughs> true. Actually, cool. that is not one of your hallmark uh, come on. traits. That is not one of my hallmarks. No. <laughs> <sighs> can I can I get on with my spiel, please? I'm sorry. Okay. You can get on your spiel. I have to start all over because, yeah. Tony, slow this down. <laughs> Don't forget to tune in to Prince. <laughs> Come on. Every time. What it? It's early morning May, right? It's early morning. I'm, look, I'm playing it for you. We got to dig up that clip. I don't know where that clip went. Of you doing the you singing the guard frequency theme song. We got to dig that up from someplace. Yeah. We oh, it's somewhere. Yeah, no, it's, that's somewhere. Best one. Don't ever. forget to. It is the best one ever. Where did the bound chicka wow wow come from, by the way? Where did that from all come his from? diseased imagination. That's where it came from. There's, there's no explanation. There's no explanation. Elijah Don't watched forget. the movie, and it had that. <laughs> One he probably shouldn't just... talk about on the air. Yikes. Red alert. Brady weapons. Shields up. Engage. Engage. <laughs> There's coffee in that nebula. Everybody hits stop. 